Last week uh, we began, uh, and we're going to be in a series called The Attributes of God. And God has many what are called attributes. We said last week that each attribute, although they're individual in themselves, they all work and come together. They're like lenses that come together that give us a clear picture and understanding of who God is. And we understand that all God's attributes work in harmony with each other. We cannot separate one attribute of God and run with that and just have that attribute uh, part of our lives. But we need to see all of those things working together. And we said as we understand the attributes of God, as we come to an understanding or a deeper understanding of the attributes of God, it helps us. It helps our faith to grow. It helps our roots to go down. And that makes for a a healthy tree. You know, when like a tree's roots go down, uh, it makes for a strong tree that cannot be shaken. If a tree has short roots, a strong wind comes by, and what happens? The You know, my wife can go and pull it out, you know. But when the roots are, I mean, she doesn't do that. I mean, she does do that stuff. You know, she, I've seen her when she was cleaning out, weeding out around the house where uh, we used to live. I came home one day and I seen all kinds of stuff pulled out by the roots. And I, there were little trees and stuff like that. I said, my Lord, what happened here? And my honey, she said, she, well, she said, you know, I had to clean up. I had to start, you know, weeding out here. And, and so some things can be pulled out by the roots if their roots aren't deep. But there are certain things, one tree she wanted to get out, but she couldn't because the roots were, were a little too deep, you know. And so that's like us as believers. When we, when our deeps, when our roots go down deep, we can't be shaken or, or uprooted. And so that's why we come and gather around the Word of God. And as we learn about the attributes of God, it causes our roots to go down deep in the Lord. And so there, Nothing can shake us or make us or uh, tumble or fall or whatever. And so we, our roots go deep, our faith waxes strong, and we become even greater uh, fruitful-wise for the kingdom and the glory of God. In John chapter 17, verse number 3, which we read last week, Jesus said, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, thee, Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. The whole purpose of Christ's coming is that we may know God, that we might have a clear picture and understanding of who God is. Remember last week we said as as we're born into this life and we grow, there's a lot of things that flood our minds and our thoughts about who God is, how God behaves, and who God really is. And so a lot of times... Every one of us have been bombarded with incorrect or uh, not full characteristics or pictures of who God is. And so Jesus came, the word of God came, to give us clarity on who God really is. What is God, what is the real makeup of God? Who is he? Why does he do what he does? What about the actions of God? How can we understand or begin to understand why God does what he does? And so that's why Jesus came. Go with me to John chapter number 1, and we read these verses last week also. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
You see, Jesus is the Word of God. He comes as the, the spokesman for God. Because you and I, we can understand words, can't we? Can we, and many of us cannot understand sign language. I mean, some people can. It's a, something you have to lear, learn. But God made us so that we can hear and understand through the word, through spoken words, and through the, the written word, which we would have to learn to read, right? But God, Jesus said, he is the word of God that was with God in the beginning. He was God, and he came to us. In verse number 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So God sent his word to us. His word brings us understanding as we hear it. If we hear the word of God and receive it, it brings us understanding of who God is. Verse 18 says, No man, no man has seen God at any time. Now, who's a man? You and I, whether you're a man or a woman, is speaking of a humankind. If you're a man or a woman, the Bible says none of us have seen God at any time. But the only begotten, meaning Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. How do we get an understanding of who God really is? By the word of God. And last week we said creation too. As we look around, creation is an unspoken testimony that there is a God in heaven. But it's the word of God who makes clear, who begins to show us who God is. Today we want to talk about God being infinite and God being unchangeable. Infinite or eternal and unchangeable. Those are two separate, distinct attributes of God. Attributes, again, are things that make up the whole composition of a person or a being. And so God is infinite. And in uh, 1 Kings chapter number 8, you don't have to turn to it, verse number 27, but you should write these verses down, and when you get home, you can look at them. It says, But will God in very deed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have built. What it's saying is that God is so infinite and, and a huge that he is limitless and has no bounds. We can't build a house and say, okay, God, here is where you dwell. God, or the Bible says here in Kings that the heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain God. There is no boundaries that we can put on the Lord because he is infinite. You and I have boundaries, but the Lord has no boundaries. There's no limits. There's no bounds uh, to God. And the attribute of being infinite is attributable only to God. You and I cannot be infinite. You and I operate in the world of boundaries and limitations. When we go to a Chinese buffet, it says that all you can eat. But can we, how much can we eat? We can eat so much. And it may be very good, very delicious, but we can only eat so much, and then we become what? Stuffed or full, as they say. We've reached the limit. There's a boundary. We can't eat no more, although we may want to. The, some, there's a phrase, your eyes are bigger than your stomach, right? So we have limits and we have boundaries, although the science says all you can eat, yet 
we know that all you can eat has a limit and has a boundary for us as humans. We can only go so far, you know. So, but God has no limits and has no boundaries. But we were created with boundaries and limits. We have a stomach that can only get so full and that's it. We can't eat no more, you know. And so we can only stay awake so long and then we have to go to sleep. There's a boundary. We can't, we can't stay awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But God can. The Bible says God neither slumbers nor sleeps. God is not bound by the fact that he at some point has to go to bed. No, we do. We have to go to bed at some point in time. You know, that's just the way it is. We have limits and boundaries in our makeup. So we are not infinite. God is. So there's a distinction in that attribute. Only God possesses it. You know, we look at space. And, and we can see space, but we can't comprehend the boundaries of space. Where does space end? Where does space begin and where does it end? We don't know. But God made all of that. God is not contained by space. Space is contained in God. You understand what I'm trying to say? God isn't bound by space. He can't go to the outer edge and say, oh, if I go anymore, I'll fall off. Remember Christopher Columbus? You know, when he wanted to go explore, they said, oh, you'll come to the edge of the world and then you'll drop into who knows where. And so, see, God doesn't go to the edge of space and say, oh, I wonder what's out there. You know, we do that. We wonder where we're going or where we send a rocket ship or whatever. And so we don't know where we're going, but God is not bound by space. Space was created and it exists inside of God. And so we can't comprehend that. With our minds, we can't, you know, we can't process that to an understanding that's explainable. We, we're, 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 remember, we're only 10% of our brain is operating, right? And so we can't process fully how could that be? How could that possibly be? You know, when you think of a drop of water that is composed that makes up an ocean. Now, we can't comprehend, like, we're like little drops of water in life, right? Like the little drop of water makes up an ocean. How many drops of water are in an ocean? Who knows? Can we count them? Can we process that in our in our minds? Is there computers that can process that? I don't know. But even the ocean, thinking of a drop of water in an ocean, how we can't comprehend that, but yet that ocean has boundaries, doesn't it? Even that vast ocean has boundaries, but God has no boundaries. And so we're in God but God has no no boundaries. He's he's limitless in that. And his uh, infinity, when we think about infinity, when we say that there's no boundaries, it has no size. When we say that God is infinite, uh, it means that we he has no boundaries. There's no size. You and I, again, when we think about it, we have a size and we have a weight, right? We can say, uh, I can say, hey, I'm five foot ten and I weigh, uh, I'm not going to tell you what I weigh. But you see, and uh, and I grow. You know, when you're little, you grow, and so we we change in size and our weight changes, right? There's there's some people that go on diets and their weight goes up and down and up and down. And you know, when I was growing up, I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't understand that I could eat a ton of food and I couldn't gain. I was like 155, and that's where I stood. And I could eat and eat and eat, and or I could or not eat and eat and eat, and I would stay at 155. But then a day came when I started to go in excess of 155, you know, and I couldn't. It was hard to get back down to that 155 again. And so we change, you know, our we uh, who we are changes in size and in 
in, in you know, size and in weight. But God never changes, and he's, uh, he's infinite like that. You know, when we think about us having love, love begins, you know, begins somewhere, and it ends somewhere, and, but for us, but not so with God. God is complete. His love is complete. It never begins and it never ends. It's infinite. The love of God is infinite forever, and we can't understand that. God loved us before we loved him. He first loved us, right? So where did God's love begin? He has no boundaries. There's no boundary to God's love. We don't know when God's love began because God is love. So God is love. Love is a makeup of who God is. So God's love for us began when we became aware what's love. And then, oh, God loves me? And we have an understanding of love. And many of us had a wrong understanding, or many people in the world have a wrong understanding of love. But when they come to it, they realize that God first loved them. While we were sinners, God, yet he loved us and came to us, right? That's what the Bible says. He first loved us. And the Bible says that he's going to love us for all eternity. His love, God's love is infinite. It never ends. There's no boundary. You see, if God came to a time when he says, okay, my love for you is going to end, then God couldn't be infinite because there's a boundary where God's love would end. But God said his love is from everlasting to everlasting. We don't know because God is part, it's an attribute of God, it's his makeup. God is love. His love, we don't know when it began, and we, we don't know. The Bible says it will never end. God's love for us will never end. So that's a good thing, right? When we love one another, you know, we could go around to somebody and say, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then the next day, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. You know, So love in the human realm can begin and can end, right? Relationships begin and end in, in various ways. And so as, as humans, as people, as creations of God, our love is limited and we have bounds on our love. But God has no limits, has no boundaries on his love. Thank God. That's called, and there's also a phrase called unconditional love. God loves us. And it's not what God does. God's love doesn't change. It's our response to God and to God's love where we change. We accept the love of God and we can take more of that love into our life. But the love of God never changes. It's the same. From day to day to day. Mercy. You know, how many of us need to show mercy to someone who offends us at times, right? Again, our mercy can come and go. But the mercy of God, it says, endures forever. And there's, there, there's, there's in the Psalms there, it, it, there's verse after verse after verse. And the mercy of the Lord endures forever. The mercy of the Lord endures forever. What does that mean? That it's part mercy is a makeup characteristic it's an attribute of god and we'll go into those areas later but it was from the beginning and it always will be there's no end to the mercy of god his mercy is infinite his love is infinite but is our love and mercy towards one another infinite no we need to work on those areas in our lives we can have come to a point where we show no mercy to somebody or we show no love to somebody and so our love and our mercy is limited and has boundaries 
Now, do we need to work on our love and our mercy towards others? Yes, we do. Every one of us has to work on those areas. Does God have to work on his love and mercy? No. God's love and mercy is perfect, and it's for infinity. His love and mercy covers our lives for all of eternity. And so we need to take hold of that, and that's a comfort, knowing that God's love for you and me will never end, and it's always there. Remember I said we, the Bible says that he commands his loving kindness every day. That's part of God's infinite love and mercy that covers our life. And that gives us hope and that gives us joy, knowing that God's love and his mercy, those, these are only two small uh, parts of the makeup of God. And I don't want to make, say small in, 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 in uh, making things light, but his love and his mercy These are things that bring us joy and hope, knowing that God's love and mercy for me will never end. It's always there. It's a constant in my, in, in our life for us. And that it fills everywhere. The infiniteness of God also means too, includes that God is everywhere. In Psalm 145 verse 3, it says that His greatness is unsearchable. You and I, remember I said last week, we can never come to a full, complete understanding or knowledge of who God is. We just can't. We're not capable of understanding fully all of who God is, because if we if we did or were, we would be equal with God. We would know everything and understand everything, and that's just not going to happen. God, we can never come to the full, complete total understanding of God. Can we? Can our levels of understanding grow and increase? Yes. And we'll have all eternity to go and to try to understand all of who God is and all of his makeup. We can understand more of each one of his attributes, but to come to a complete, full, total understanding where we say, there's nothing more to know about God, that will never happen. Even in eternity, it will never happen. And it says uh, in Jeremiah chapter 23, and uh, when I printed out, my wife was printing out bulletins, and I didn't know it, so I interrupted her bulletin printing, and I printed my notes on the back of her bulletin. So the Lord, my wife had mercy on me. See? Amen. God fills uh, everything. In Jeremiah 23, he says, Am I a God at hand, saith Jehovah, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places so that I shall not see him? Saith Jehovah, do I not, do not I fill heaven and earth says God. Infinite means that God. Also, He's He's He fills everything. He's He's all over. He's everywhere. And God is eternity. You see, in eternity or infinite means eternal too. Is that God has no time. Time doesn't bind God. God is not bound by time. Time doesn't run out on God. God created time. God has power over time, and God controls time. God made time stop for an hour with Hezekiah, wasn't it? Is that correct? Joshua made time stop for an hour. God controls time because he created it. God is not bound by time. But God gave time. He created time for you and me so that God can show himself and prove himself within the confines of time to you and I who he is. So there's a measurement so that God can say something and we can understand it in our human minds what God is doing and who he is. The Bible says in the fullness of 
time. When you look up the word time, if you do a, a search through your Bible and you type in, or if you have a computer and you go to a Bible program and you type in time, you'll get, you'll get an extensive list of the word time throughout the Bible. God uses that word many times in the Bible. In the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son. And so we see that there, God uses time to help you and I get an understanding that God is a God who keeps his word, keeps his promises, and, and does things on a, on, a, on a frame so that we can know that God is God. Time is for you and I to help us understand God. God doesn't need time. In heaven, there is no time. When we leave this earth and we get into the kingdom of heaven, you're not going to have to worry about batteries for a clock. You're not going to be winding the thing. And I'm sorry, Mom, but the bong thing won't go off every hour. You know, we won't need time in heaven because there will not be any day or night. Day and night, the sun and the moon are there to keep time, to help the seasons change. But when we get to heaven, the Bible says there will be no sun or moon because Jesus will be our light. So God is not bound by time. Infinite God's infiniteness is above time. It surpasses time. Time is just another little piece of thing that God created for you and I. We are bound by time, right? We run out of time when we're, you know, when you're taking a test, you have so much time to complete it and that's it. If it's not done, you're out of time. So time is a boundary in our life in many different ways. There's limits in time. So we're limited in what we can do by time. But again, being infinite, the attribute of infinite is God's attribute and it's not ours. We don't possess that attribute because we are bound by time in our life. God says also when, remember Moses he was going to Pharaoh, and he said, who should I say sent me? And God said, what did he say? He says, tell them, I am sent you. Infinite means God never ends. Where did he begin? We don't know. Where does he end? We don't know. He doesn't end. He's infinite. He's I am means past, present, and future. That he's the I am. He's everlasting. That means I am means everlasting, ever was, is, and will be. It's everlasting. It's a whole concept there. And in Genesis chapter 21, verse 33, it says that he is the everlasting God. And also, being an everlasting God, Deuteronomy 33, 27, said that he is the everlasting arms. You know, the everlasting God who who is always going to be there has everlasting arms that will always embrace you, always there. That's why the Lord says in the Word of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How could he say that? Why could God make that statement that he will never leave you nor forsake you? That means that if you're in Chicago or you're in Alaska or you're in down in some mine in the depths of the earth or you're uh, in a rocket going up to the highest uh Beyond our atmosphere, God is there with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because his everlasting arms are there. He's present no matter where we are. We can't go anywhere to hide from God. God is there. He is ever has everlasting arms. And he has his word. You see, God's presence is everlasting. He's infinite. His arms, his reach, his touch is 
everywhere, infinite. There's nowhere we can go and hide from the arm of the Lord that wants to reach down and touch us with love and compassion, right? And his word is everlasting. Jesus said that, and we just read it in the Gospel of John, Jesus says the word was with God, the word was God, right? And Jesus, when he was talking to the to the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. He's not the I was God. Thank God. He could have said I was, but I'm not there now. He says, before Abraham was, I am. So you see, he's con- he's confessing to them he is God incarnate. That God was way before time, and God will always be. He says, I am. The word of God is everlasting. The word of God will never end. In Revelation chapter 21 and 22, Jesus says that I am the beginning and the end. What is the end? What is the beginning? Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Meaning everything that we can know or understand is in God. He's the beginning and he's the end. How do we understand? What is beginning and end? What does that mean? God knows all things. He's, he's omnis, um, omniscient, omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows all things, all powerful. What about the author of a book? How many of us have read a book at some point in our life? Someone wrote that book. An author got something in his head or in his heart or in his spirit, and he sat down to write a book. He gave it a title. The characters in the book were made up by who? The author. The author knows all there is to know about the characters. Why? Because he, in a sense, created those characters, right? God knows all about you and I. Why? Because he created us. We were in God's thoughts, in his mind, in his heart, long before we were born. The Bible says that what? I formed you and fashioned you in the womb. Meaning God knew who we were going to be, what our makeup was going to be way before we were born. It wasn't a surprise to God. God, and when a baby is born, it's not, hey, God, look, there's a new baby born here. And, and God said, oh, what a cute little baby. You know, now they are cute, right? But God knows that baby. God breathed life into them and formed them and fashioned them in the womb. So like an author who knows the characters of the book, God knows each and every one of us because we are we were created by God. So this an author helps us to understand that God created us. Now the author, he has a storyline, doesn't he? He knows how he's going to begin the book and he has to put an end to the book, doesn't he? The author has to end his start his book and end his book. And so the book of Revelation is is an ending to to this world or life as we know it, kind of. And Genesis is the beginning. Genesis tells us how all things were created. And the, the pages between Genesis and Revelation is a story about God and his relationship to to us and who we are and what our role is in, in how we should respond or act to God. So uh, when we think of an author of a book, we can help. it helps us to get a little more maybe clarity about God. He began the book. We're in a story. We're on a journey with God. We're part of an overall story that God has put into motion and into play. And God says at the end that we're going to be with him forever. We're not going to have to go through all these days and nights and pain and suffering any longer. That when we're in the new kingdom, that's going to begin a new, whole new story, whole new process for us 
where it will never end. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more dying, no more hunger, no more thirst. What a great, what a great, great promise. What a great book God has written. And he, you know, that's yet to be because God says that your names are written in the Lamb's what? Book. God, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. There's a new book. There's a new story, a new whole thing unfolding in the kingdom of God. That new book. When we get out of this book, we're going to get into the other book of everlasting life with God. We're in the book now where there's heartache, there's, there's, there's suffering, there's crying, there's, there's, you know, there's a time and a season for everything under heaven as Ecclesiastes said. So in the book that we're in now, if you want to look at it that way, in the journey of the book that we're in now, we, there's a lot of experiences in life that make us laugh, make us cry, make us, uh, do different things. But God said there's another book, the Lamb's Book of Life, that when your names are written in there, God is preparing a place for you. He's preparing it. He's He's in the process of doing it. And so we have something, a hope to look forward to in that infinity of God because he is the everlasting arms. He is the I am. And in the book, when you read the book, you can start to get an idea of what the author is like his thoughts and stuff and so as we read the bible as we read this book that god has given us to read it helps us to understand a little more about the author of the book and so that's where we get it from uh, a little understanding of god god is a spirit and he's a person remember that we said that we are spirit soul and body our spirit has emotions and feelings and but our our body is the what we said it was the vehicle that carries us around, that we use to, to go from, it's like the car that we get in to take us from place to place. But our spirit, our body isn't who we are. Our spirit is who we are. And so God, it says that he's not a man that, in Numbers 23, it says he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has God said, will he not do it? Has he spoken? Will he not make good? In Malachi chapter 3, says, I, Jehovah, God, change not. Another attribute of God is that he's unchangeable. He's an unchanging God. Now, that is good news. That should make a smile come on our face when we say that he's unchangeable, when we know who God is and that he's unchangeable. Now, because uh, when we look at life around us, God created everything around us. We see constant change in life around us. There's winter when the snow comes and things get cold and the winds howl, right? There's spring. Winter, spring, right? When things start to now what? Show signs of, of life and grass starts growing and flowers start coming out. And then there's the summer when you're, you know, put on the air conditioner. The heat comes, right? And then there's, there's winter, spring, summer, and then fall. When everything that came and blossomed and grew starts to fall off the trees. So there's a constant cycle of change. And in that change, nothing is the same the next year. Everything is different. Although new leaves come on, those new leaves are different than the ones that were there. They're not the same. Everything in life changes. We change daily. Every one of us. We change in our, in the way we think, in the way we do things. We change in our size and in our growth. And we think of our, our life change about ourselves as this. When you take a candle, a brand new candle, and you put it on the table, and you light it with a match, right? And you watch it for one minute. That candle 
is not the same as it was when you first lit it, was it? Because a change has taken place, a constant change. We grow old, don't we? When we're, when we're young, we start to count our birthdays, our anniversaries, our, our different things. And so that candle starts going down. Although we're going up in years, the candle of life is going down, right? And so when you're looking at that candle, when it's halfway down, you know that in another minute, it's not going to be the same as it is now. And so it continues to go down. So we are people who are continually changing in many different ways of life. But God is not like a candle. God is the same. He's unchangeable. God never withers or grows old. We grow old, don't we? We, you know, and and I, I wish we never had to, but the Bible says there's a time coming when we enter into that new realm, into that new kingdom, that we will. There'll be no more death or dying. There'll be no more aging. But God doesn't grow old. God, you know, there, there might be a, a, a thing in the Bible where it says that God was seen with white hair. And, and to us, we think that that's a sign of oldness or aging. The Bible says he's the ancient of days. That doesn't mean God is old. It gives us an understanding or a comprehension that he's from everlasting to everlasting. God isn't old. God isn't celebrating his uh, three millionth birthday. You know, God isn't like that. So God, the word of God gives us pictures of God to help us understand. God isn't, when it says he's the ancient of days, he's not some old man with a with a cane with white hair saying, I lived a long time. Listen to me. That's not how God is. You know, me ancient of days means that he's from everlasting to everlasting. We can't comprehend it other than to think of ancient as someone who's always been there a long time. And so, but that is not the true picture of God. God doesn't have white hair and creaky bones and, and you know, walking like, hi, sonny, you know, and I'm not trying to make light of anything, but you know what I'm trying to say? God is infinite. He doesn't age. There, there's, there's no, uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we think of that, we don't think of a God who's growing old, who's fading away, who's, who's losing his memory, can't remember things that he did yesterday or what he ate a half hour ago, you know, like some of us, you know. That's not God. He's infinite. But we are like that candle that, that grows. But we know that when we leave this life, we're going to be with him forever. So there is a good there is a good hope of all that. God is unchangeable. As we just said, he's unchangeable. Now, unchangeable could be good and it could be bad. The devil is unchangeable in his ways. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. Because we know the makeup of Satan. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Will he ever change? No. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that God has prepared a place for the devil and all his angels where they will go. To be separated from God forever. They will not change. The devil will not change. He will go to that lake of fire and brimstone believing he still can overthrow God. He will not change. But God says when Jesus came, he says to us, repent and believe the gospel. Well, repent means what? Change. You and I are changeable. We can change in our actions, in our thoughts. We can change in, in the, the repent means to, to stop and to turn around, to go back in a different direction towards God. So we are people who are changeable. We can change our mind, can't we, from moment to moment. 
let's go here. No, let's go there. And remember, we were going to the restaurant. We we said, where should we go? Here or there? Oh, let's go here. Let's go there. Uh, let's go here. Let, we wound up somewhere else that we didn't even think about. So, and which was a good thing. But so we are changeable in our thoughts and in our actions and the things that we do every day in life. We're changeable. But God uh, is not changeable. He is unchangeable. And when we know who God is, we know, when we know that his love for us is infinite, it's not going to change, that should make us rest and have a, a sigh of relief. Wow, God is not going to change in his love for me. When we understand that God, his mercy for us is not going to change, it's infinite, I can rest in that, that God's mercy is infinite. You know, and so when we see the 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 uh, attributes of God and every activity of God is in those things when we know that God is not going to change his mind. He's not going to tell us, uh, you know what, I think I'm not going to love you anymore. I think I'm not going to have mercy on you anymore. We'd be in serious, serious trouble. What would we do? But when we know that God's love and mercy endures forever, that is an anchor of security, an anchor of safety, an anchor of hope, knowing that Oh, my Lord will never change. He's an unchangeable God. And he tells us throughout his word continually, continually, I am the God that changes not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes we got to remember and understand that God is the same. And sometimes we get down and we try to pray, Oh, Lord, we try to get kind of twist God's arm in prayer to, to change his mind or to change something or whatever. And it's not God who needs to change things. We need to change things. We need to change our life, our attitudes, our, our whole things. And so we, we can't change God in prayer. You know, we can't change him. What he said, his promises, his word, when we agree in prayer with his word, it's going to happen. It has to because that's the makeup of God. But we can't change God into do or to, to, to do or say something he can't say or do, you know. And uh, that's why in life, when things are getting rough and things are getting tough and, and things are breaking our hearts and we, we lose a loved one or, or lose a job or something or whatever, or the dark days are upon us and storms seem to blow around our life, that's the day when we have to say, Jesus, you're the anchor of my soul. You change not. When you go through the waters, you will not drown. When you fires go through the fires, you will not be burned. Why? Because the everlasting arm of God who changes not, who's infinite, eternal, and he changes not, is there to see you through to the other side. He's unchanging. We can rest knowing God loves us and his mercy is with us forever. He's the anchor of our soul. And that's why we can't take one attribute of God and just say, run with that. We need all of the attributes of God together. And that's why when we can say God is infinite, he's eternal, and he's unchanging. And when we know that he's unchanging in his love and in his mercy, these are good things. When we know someone who is unchanging and and content on doing wicked, that's a bad thing. But we know God is not bad. God is good. He's love. He's mercy forever. And so we know we have a hope. We have our faith is secure in the God who changes not. He's unchangeable, which is even better than unchanging. 
right? When he's unchangeable, nothing we do or say can change God from who he is. You know, we can stamp our feet and cry, but God isn't going to change because of our fits of whatever. God is going to be the same who he is. That's who he is. And we recognize that and we come in line and we change to say, okay, God, all right, you, this is how you want me to be. This is how I need to be. Fine. Because we know that God's love and mercy is unchanging and is always there for us. So that's a hope. You see these two attributes of God, that he's eternal, which is infinite, and he's unchanging. You see how they bring us hope and they, they, they bring our faith up and our roots down. When we know that a God is not going to change, that gives us a security. That gives us a, a future and a hope to look for. Now, next week, we'll look at a few more attributes of God. But knowing God is eternal, knowing that he's unchanging in his love and mercy towards us, wow. Wow, where else can we find that? Where else can we find that? We can't. Only in God, only in Christ Jesus. Amen.